you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. rest of you, if you would turn in your Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 7, uh, and, and now um, there are Bibles in the pews, so I'm, I'm going to be looking, man, you know, no excuses. Uh, uh, Acts 7, and we're going to be uh, looking uh, just uh, at a few different places all over that chapter, so I encourage you, you can start right, right at the beginning, we'll spend a little time there, we'll spend a little time at the end. Um, so Acts 7, uh, as you know, at Bethel uh, this summer, we've been going through the book of Acts and sort of getting to know uh, the main character of the book of, the, of Acts. The main character in the book of Acts is, is God's Holy Spirit. Uh, and so one way um, to kind of think about uh, Scripture that is, um, is wrong in some ways, but is, is sort of right in others. While God's three persons are active throughout all of Scripture, uh, one easy way to remember, it's sort of the main character who seems to get most of the screen time in the Old Testament is God the Father. Um, the, the character, the person that gets most of the screen time in the Gospels is Jesus. Uh, and the, the character or the person of God, the part of God, uh, that gets most of the attention in Acts is the Holy Spirit. Uh, because uh, as we talked about uh, way back, actually, on our Confirmation Sunday, that in this uh, one uh, crazy moment, while Jesus' disciples were gathered, Jesus has ascended into heaven, uh, God poured out his Holy Spirit on everyone who follows Jesus. And so we believe that the same Spirit that was active in Israel's prophets, uh, that was active in the creation of the world in the Old Testament, the same Spirit that was active in in Jesus, as he performed miracles and taught and led, we believe that same spirit is available to all who are in Christ. Um, amen. Amen. And, and so we've been talking about what that means. And actually, the, the book of Acts is, is all about that. What does it mean when uh, all of a sudden, in a very real way, God's presence is no longer found in a temple uh, or in uh, even in a book, but is actually found in people, in transformed people. And it, and it totally changes the world, and it's the only reason uh, I believe that there are even churches today is because of what happens over the course of Acts because of God's Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're about to uh, notice um, here in, in Acts, um, as we follow the, the story of God's Holy Spirit, uh, we uh, have this guy named Stephen, who is uh, about to uh, uh, take advantage of God's presence in him as he uh, stands up to charges against him. Um, so there's this, uh, this Bible verse where, where Jesus sends his disciples, and, uh, and he says, you know, go and, and, and serve, go and teach, go and do what you need to do. And, and if you get into trouble, don't worry what, about what you're going to say, he says, because my, uh, my spirit will give you the words that you need in the moment. And so uh, this chapter 7 of Acts is, is like, if you wonder what it looks like for God's Spirit to give somebody the words, it's, it, we're going we're gonna to look at that. We're going to look at this, this message that, that I believe is, is spoken uh, 
uh, spoken by, by God's, God's spirit. Um, so, so before we, we look at it, just really quick uh, recap. Um, so there's this, it's all about this guy named Stephen is the main character. And Stephen uh, gets into ministry because uh, a couple of chapters ago, there was a big church fight. Uh, there were some widows in the church. Some of them were Jewish, uh, uh, you know, um, were, sorry, some of them were Jews from Jerusalem and some of them were Jews who spoke Greek. Um, and the Greek-speaking Jewish widows didn't feel like they were getting enough food in the, the shared food distribution they were doing. If you remember, the church starts in Jerusalem and they basically start a little like camp inside of Jerusalem where they pool all their resources and take care of each other. Well, one group of widows, the widows that speak Greek, um, are feeling neglected in, in the food distribution. And this is a problem. It, it starts a church fight. They didn't argue about carpet colors. Uh, they, they argued about, hey, um, and just like every church fight, right, there's a group of people that feels like nobody cares about them. And so right in the middle of this, they, they come forward to the leaders of the church, to Peter. Uh, and they say, Peter, this is a problem. People are getting mad. We don't know what to do. And, and Peter says, he says, you know, I, I did not follow Jesus to deal with these kinds of things. Um, let's find somebody else to do it. He's a, just good leadership. He says, like, can't somebody else do it? And they're like, well, okay. So they ask the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads them to choose uh, a, a, a group of people uh, to make sure that the food distribution goes okay. I know this sounds sounds pointless, but I think it's amazing that Peter doesn't, he doesn't want to do the job, and so he asks the Spirit, and the Spirit says, well, why don't you have these people do it? And one of them is Stephen. And so if you're Stephen, this is who you are. You, you got started because uh, at some point in your life when you were visiting Jerusalem, you encountered God's Holy Spirit in this crazy way. It blew up your life, and then one day, somebody came up to you and said, hey, you know, it seems like you've got, like, you know who Jesus is, and you have the Holy Spirit in you. You've got a, this strong faith, I think. Uh, maybe you could help us make sure that all the widows get enough to eat. And Stephen, yeah, I can do that. It, you know, there's, there's people at this church that have volunteered for jobs for jobs like that. Yeah, you know what? I, nothing says I couldn't make sure that happens. And, and for Stephen, this is actually wh where it leads him. Uh, because when he's taking care of the widows, he's, he's becoming a leader in the church. Um, he sort of gets on the bad side of the, the religious uh, ruling council in Jerusalem, this group called the Sanhedrin. And because Stephen not only is feeding widows, he's also going around talking about Jesus. And so they drag Stephen before the Sanhedrin, and they say this, and this is the end of chapter 6. Um, uh, these people, uh, it says, uh, Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses, and then against God. Uh, jumping down to 13, they produced false witnesses who testified, uh, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place, referring to the temple, and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So the, uh, again, characters, right? We've got the religious council. Uh, Stephen is bad news. He's one of these, these people and they're trying to ruin everything. He's trying to wreck the temple and get us to not follow the law. And so they have this trial. And this is a normal thing to do in the day. You come together, you talk about these things, you have witnesses, and you, you talk about it. Okay, is, is Stephen blaspheming against God? And in the ancient world, um, this sphere of life was, was big enough to where people could haul you haul you before court. And so that's Stephen. Stephen has been dragged from um, making meals for people and caring for people in this practical way to 
stand trial in front of, of this court. And chapter 7 is his, uh, is his speech. Uh, so if you, uh, uh, if you look at chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? And Stephen um, apparently was not one who gives short answers uh, because the whole chapter <laughs> is an answer to that question. You know, they say, are these charges true? Stephen could have just said no. Instead, the Holy Spirit gives him these words, um, and we'll look at it in a minute, but you can go ahead and go to the next slide because as we read this, it's important to know that there are sort of three audiences. Here's, here's Stephen on trial. You like that? Um, so there's, there's three audiences that Stephen's talking to. And whenever we read scripture, we remember that it's written uh, to multiple audiences. So first, he's, he's speaking to the Sanhedrin. And they're going to have an opportunity to hear what he has to say and respond. Uh, the second audience um, is the, the followers of, of the way. Uh, the way was um, how the early church referred to themselves. Uh, so, so they called themselves people of the way. The way being the way of Jesus. People who follow Jesus. So there's there's the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling council. There's uh, the people, uh, Peter or Stephen's, uh, you know, his fellow disciples, fellow followers of Jesus. And finally, the third audience is us, the reader of Acts. And so in his speech, he's going to retell the whole story of the Old Testament and, and give them something to do. We're not going to read all of it today because it's long. Uh, so if you just start, we're going to read one through five. Uh, it says... Uh, so then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? And to this he replied, um, you can just imagine him standing up and he's like getting up on his soapbox. He says, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said, leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. If you're on this council, you know you're in for a long story because when Stephen asked if he did this enough, he says, let me start from the beginning. <laughs> there was a guy named Abraham that lived uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Uh, and God said to Abraham, go uh, to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And after the death of his father, God sent him into this land which you are now living. Uh, God gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at the time Abraham had no child. Uh, and God spoke to him this way. He said, for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They'll be enslaved and mistreated, but I will punish the nation that you serve as slaves, God said. And afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of the 12 patriarchs. Uh, so as you're going through uh, this, this sermon, um, this speech, this answer uh, of accusation that the Spirit gives Stephen, he starts with Abraham, and he says, here's what you need to know about Abraham. Abraham one day woke up, and God said, leave your home your family, your friends, everything you've ever known behind, and go to the place that I've called you. And what does Abraham do? He goes, right? He gets up, he leaves, he goes. And even though God told him, hey, it's not going to be quick, this nation isn't going to be easy, 
Uh, Even though there's a lot of trouble in your future, Abraham got up and left. It won't be fast, God says, but I will be with you. Uh, Well, the story continues, and you can skim through and find the details here in Acts. Stephen moves from Abraham, and that's my, my picture of Abraham. You can't really see it, but he's standing on the open road going to uncertain territory. Uh, next, uh, if, if you're familiar with um, musicals, you might know who this guy is. This guy's Joseph. Um, next, Stephen says, okay, let me tell you about Joseph. Uh, Joseph, or um, yeah, Joseph. I wrote Jacob, but I meant Joseph. Um, he says, let me tell you about Joseph. Uh, Stephen says, Joseph, um, He was forced to leave home by his brothers. If you know the story of Joseph, you know that his brothers kidnapped him and sold him into slavery in a foreign land, in Egypt. Uh, But if you know the story of Joseph, you know that even in that uh, crime committed against Joseph, even in that pain that Joseph had to endure, God was at work. God was moving Joseph into the land of Egypt. Um, if If you read Genesis, it essentially, it essentially says this, that uh, that as Joseph entered Egypt, what happened? He, he gained influence and prominence, uh, and, and he wound up in this very special position uh, right under Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that um, when a huge famine hit the land and all of Abraham's other descendants were, were starving, they could come and find Joseph and have their lives saved. And so, so Stephen says, uh, God said to Abraham, leave the land of your fathers and go to the place that I've called you. God picked up, Stephen says, God picked up Joseph and, and said, you're leaving here, you're going here, and your family, they're leaving their home and they're going uh, into Egypt. And even though um, it uh, long term led to some difficult things, in the moment it was right where they needed to be. Uh, God was really the one that had sent Joseph. Uh, And so he continues, Stephen says, okay, so you know about Abraham who left his father's land, and you know about Joseph who was taken from his father's land, but he went and did what God called him where he went. He left and he went. Finally, he says, and now let me tell you about a guy named Moses. And now, you know, Stephen is talking to the, the religious leaders of his people. They are familiar with the Old Testament. They know who these people are. Um, Stephen is retelling this story to them and trying to make a point. He says, now now eventually, Technicolor Dreamcoat guy, Joseph's uh, family, uh, his descendants are living in Egypt, and Egypt forgets uh, to care about Joseph and his family. In fact, they get worried about all these Israelites living in their land, and so they enslave and oppress them, and they do all these terrible things. They turn on, on Joseph's descendants. Uh, and, and Stephen says, when this happened, um, God uh, picked up and saved Moses from death. In fact, Moses had to leave his parents' house and go to grow up in the home of Pharaoh. If you, if you know the story, you know how that goes. He left his home as an infant, and went to be a member of Egypt's royal family, Stephen says. And then guess what? Uh, when Joseph grew up in the royal house, uh, he, he murdered an Egyptian guard, and he had to leave the land of Egypt and go out into the desert um, in Midian. And, and so here's Moses. Moses now, he lives in Midian for 40 years. He has a, a family. He has a job. And one day in Midian, Moses encounters God. And he encounters God in a burning bush. And Stephen says, you'll never guess what God said to Moses. He said, leave the land of Midian and go into Egypt. 
because I have a plan for you to save my people. Uh, Stephen is he's setting up this pattern that happens all throughout the Old Testament. God is a God that says, leave behind where you are and go to the place that I have for you. And so Moses does. He listens to God. He objects, and it's a great story, but eventually he listens to God. He leaves Midian. He goes into Egypt, and God gives Moses a message for the Israelites in Egypt. And guess what the message is? God says, tell them it's time to leave the land of Egypt and go into the land I have for you. Now, Stephen, um, he could have gone on because this pattern shows up all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, but at this point in the story, uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a turning point. Uh, so God, uh, uh, and the people listen, they leave. And, but here's this turning point. About halfway through, um, Stephen says, says this. He says, in the desert, in that desert, um, right near the mountain, the same mountain that Abraham first heard God say, leave and go, Stephen implies, um, uh, their ancestors, the Israelites, living in, uh, in the desert, um, uh, in that desert, God gives them two things. Uh, he gives them a, a tent uh, that we call the tabernacle, a place for God to dwell on earth that eventually becomes the temple that the Sanhedrin is pointing at right now that Stephen blasphemed against. And he gives them something else. He gives them the law that the Sanhedrin believes Stephen is blaspheming against. Uh, Stephen says, this is the, the story of, of our people. This is what he's, what he's telling them. He says, we are a people that are marked by Abraham and Joseph and Moses. We are a people that God often says, leave, go to. And they followed, right? They left what was familiar. They left what was easy. They left what they knew. And they went to the new place that God called us. From the beginning, Stephen is saying, uh, God has said, leave, go to his people, and they left things behind so that they could go to what God wanted them uh, for tomorrow. And, and people listen. Some people listen, Stephen says. Some people hear that call. They leave what's familiar. And they go to freedom, to blessing, to whatever God has for them tomorrow. But then Stephen says, unfortunately, there's, there's a but to this story. And if you know the Old Testament, you know that this but is coming. Uh, because while a few do follow that command to leave and go, while Abraham and Moses and, and, and Joseph do, and, and many, many others, more often than not, Stephen says, when, when God says leave and go to people, people tend to just say no. Um, more often than not, instead of listening like Abraham or Joseph or Moses, most people, uh, according to Stephen, God says, leave what's comfortable, go to this place I have for you, and people say, uh-uh, no way, I, I refuse. And then he tells the story of the refusal, the refusers. He says, you know, you notice um, Moses brought the Israelites into the desert, and while Moses stood up on the mountaintop getting the law from God, um, uh, the Israelites, they, they melted down the gold that God had given them as they left Egypt. They, they got all of this jewelry when they left. This is one of the miracles of the Exodus. And the people say, we're scared, we don't know what to do. And so they collect all the gold from all the, um, that they had gotten from Egypt, and they melt it down, and they make it into an idol. <laughs> and they say, here's our God, 
Uh, and this God is going to help us go back to Egypt where things were comfortable, where things were nice, where things were easy. And yeah, we were slaves, but there was good food and everything was going to be okay. And if you read uh, the story of Exodus, you read a story about a people that are constantly at every trouble, just like you and just like me, thinking, I think the solution to this next obstacle is to quit and go back home to slavery. Stephen says, oftentimes when God says, leave, go, uh, people, we, we say, uh-uh. We say, no. And again and again, Stephen says, through Israel's history, many people turn their back on the God of leave and go, and instead they, they take yesterday's blessings, they take the gold from Egypt, they take the comforts of today, they take the, the ease of a life figured out, and they make it into an idol. Stephen says, God is, is calling you to leave and go. Uh, uh, and, he's, and he's saying this. Here's our three audiences, okay, right? We've got the Sanhedrin and the people of the way and us reading today. Uh, Stephen says, look, God says leave and go all the time. And guess what? Uh, when he sent his son, uh, Jesus, it changed everything. When he poured his spirit out, it changed the meaning of things like temple and law and what it means to belong to God. Stephen says, God is calling you to leave behind these old tools and old blessings and old comforts and go to the new place that he's leading with his spirit. And, and Stephen, as we've talked about before, I, I promise you, um, he doesn't end this story alive on earth, but, uh, but from heaven, he's looking down surprised at just how far God is, is sending the people. Uh, so Stephen says, here's your choice. You can, you can stay and make gods out of yesterday's blessings. Now it's the law and the temple. Or you can go where God's uh, calling. And this is, how Stephen, this is how Stephen says it. He says it like this <clears throat> in, in verse 48, all the way at the end of the chapter. He's talking about the temple. He says, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. Uh, the prophet says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things, Stephen says. And then he, he quotes this and carries it on. He says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors who always resist the Holy Spirit. You're just like your ancestors who just couldn't go when God said leave and go. He says, was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. He's talking about Jesus. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. As Stephen continues his argument, uh, his message becomes really clear to them. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And, and the first audience, the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious council, um, it, it destroys the trial. His argument actually destroys the trial. Uh, they can't listen to him any longer. What he's saying is so frustrating, uh, so uh, shaming, and they just can't accept what he's saying that instead of letting it continue, they, they pick up rocks 
and they kill him. And, and, actually, and actually, it says that they, like, um, <laughs> they cover their ears and, and yell. Um, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where someone has told me something about myself, and it's made me want to cover my ears and yell. And, and they do that. So that's, that's the first moment, first audience. In this critical moment, they just reject God. They reject God's call and where he's going. The second audience, the other members of the way, the other Christians, they, uh, they accept these words. And believe it or not, uh, right after Stephen is, is killed by the court, um, there's this huge persecution that erupts in Jerusalem and all of the followers of the way, or many of them, uh, are forced to leave the comforts of this beautiful community they've built in Jerusalem and go all over the region as God has called them. Uh, so that's how they chose. We're, we're the, third, the third audience. And I think uh, God's to us. Yeah, if I put my arm in front of that thing, it does not work. Um, <laughs> I think God's spirit um, wants to say to us, you know, are we willing to leave something for what God is calling us to? Maybe the question for you is what habits or places or comforts or tools or ways of thinking is God calling me to leave behind? What is he calling you to leave behind? And maybe what people, what practices, what places is God calling you towards? Uh, when I think about the church today, the things that, that God puts on my heart, um, I think sometimes God is, is calling us to leave behind a, a false certainty about everything we think and believe. I think God is calling us to leave behind this idea that I can't ever be wrong and instead go towards awe, towards a God who is constantly surprising us again and again. I think God might be calling us to leave behind, like, what is their problem and go towards point out any offensive way in me, Lord. I think maybe God is calling us to leave the comfort of those who always think like us and believe everything that we think about the world and go towards the hard work of listening to and walking with people who don't. I don't know what it is for you, but God is always calling us to leave some things behind so that we can go towards something better. And the question is, will we hear and will we follow or will we reject the new place and the new things God has for us and turn yesterday's blessings into today's idols? Would you pray with me? Lord God, you are a God who sends you're a God who came and sent your own son to earth to live and die and rise, who invites us to put our faith in him and have the security that comes from being in Christ, not the false security of having all the answers and knowing all the right things. You invite us to put our faith not in a system or a book or a building, but in the person of your son, Jesus. No matter who we are or what we've done or where we've been, you invite us to place ourselves in him and go where he leads.
So help us to know the things that maybe you're calling us to leave behind, maybe good things that aren't what you're doing now. And may you help us to see the places that you're calling us to, the people that you're calling us to. And may you give us the courage that it takes to leave behind comfort and follow after your leave, go spirit. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.